Hey, this is Kat, the lead boss. Welcome to the Revenue Accelerator. And I have, oh, I should have checked, Lisa Pearson. Did I say it right? right. Okay. You got it. All right. Well, you know, I have a horrible last name and you would think that I would check with people before I hit the record button, but this is the realness. <laughs> so <laughs> Lisa, thank you for joining us. Now, um, you had come highly recommended by a lot of people um, as someone who's, uh, I don't know how to say this, like a good hearted copywriter basically someone who actually uses content and copy for good um, and not just in a manipulative NLP kind of, I'm going to get your credit card number at whatever cost possible. So there's something that you talk about when it comes to content, it's about creating the connection so that then it converts. Um, not exactly how you say it, I know, but that's kind of like my takeaway. And a lot of what I talk about is building the relationship so and valuing it over the transaction. So can you tell us a little bit more in your words, what you do and why it matters and why people should care? Sure. So, so basically, I mean, I'll just start at the beginning that, you know, I write copy for websites, landing pages, sales pages, emails, ads, basically any place you want your reader, your prospect to read and then say yes to you. So um, it's really important to get that yes. Doesn't mean buy, it just means yes to the next step. Maybe it's mm. signing up for your newsletter or signing up for an event or yes, I wanna hear from you again. Um, and I do this because I just have a massive curiosity about why humans do what they do. Um, our psychology, our brain science, our life experiences, I just find this endlessly fascinating. Um, you know, I often describe copywriting as not just um, a creative endeavor. I think about it, and I think a lot of people think about it as something creative, and there's definitely a creative component, but it's also a science, and it's based on human behavior, but it's expressed in a creative way. So for me, it always comes from the person, and that's where you start when you write your copy. You start with the person, whether that's the customer or the prospect, and really having empathy for them. Like what do they need to hear um, for them to connect with you? And when they feel that validation, you feel good about yourself, right? Yeah. We're automatically drawn to people who validate who we are. So when we come to a page and it says, are you suffering from this? Or are, do you dream of doing this one day or something like that? And if it resonates with them, they're going to feel seen and heard and validated. So that's why, for me, that's why I love doing what I do, because I just love people. Yeah, the, you said something really interesting, I mean, in your copy, huh? um, <laughs> where I, of course, did a little bit of research, just a little bit at a time. Um, and you said on your website, you said you got to know them so well that you can finish their sentences, which kind of lends itself to what you're talking to in terms of validation. But it's um, that conversation that people are having in their head, not the superficial one. Mm -hmm. So how does someone tap into that conversation? How do you get that voice in someone's head or really understand your ideal client to the point that you can finish their sentences? Yeah, you don't do it in a boardroom or by talking to your other marketing colleagues. You do it by talking <laughs> to your customers. I know that sounds really obvious, but- No, no, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm sure, and I know person for firsthand, growing up through the marketing ranks, right? That's what you did is you just kind of talked to other people and everyone was like, sure, that sounds great. But I like, you know, absolutely where you're going. Yeah. And we all, we all know we need to put ourselves in other people's shoes, but everybody wears different shoes. So just because you think that, that that's what they want, mm. it really might not be. Um, and you're doing your readers or your customers a disservice if you don't do that research. 
you know, I get into a lot of conversations with business owners who love their business and they think they know their customer and they do to a certain extent, but when you run a survey, they're often surprised by what comes back. And it's just because they're this close to their business and it's really hard to um, see what their customers are feeling and thinking and, and times change, obviously. I mean, different generations have different priorities. So um, surveys are really, really important and not just um, multiple choice type surveys, but places where people can actually write long answers. Mm. And when they have a longer answer, they're more engaged and you really need to pay attention to those long answers because they have something they want to get off their chest <laughs> and you need to pay attention to those words um, that they're saying and interviews, interviewing mm -hmm. clients. I would recommend um, if you're the owner of your business, don't interview your own clients, have someone else interview your clients because they're going to feel uncomfortable. They don't want to say anything to offend you. Um, they might just be trying to be nice or they might be trying to say things that, um, they think you want to hear. Mm -hmm. So if you can hire someone independent and have that independent person tell them that it's a safe place that they can just really unload whatever it is. And I'm not saying it's gonna be bad, but it's just, you get more honest responses um, that way. So just having those, those kind of conversations, there's other things that I do sometimes if you're a new business, you don't have customers to survey or to talk to. So you go into things like Facebook groups or, um, you know, back when we could actually go out in public, you know, over, you know, eavesdrop on the next table at the coffee shop and things like that, what people are talking about. So I assemble all of that information and I just use a spreadsheet and then I give them, um, I organize it in different ways. Sometimes it's by certain words that pop up. And so I'll recognize a pattern. Okay. This, these people use this word when they're talking about this, um, they're really worried about these three things. And if you can identify the top three things that your clients are worried about or want or whatever it is, it gives you a really good indication about what to write about. I don't know if I'm answering. Yes, no, no. I was I'm, gonna gonna have... track. I'm gonna start geeking out here. So. No, 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 like I'm shutting up. Okay. Well, no, this doesn't happen often because I will interrupt when it's done. <laughs> okay. um, so there, there's one caveat I think that that happens sometimes is when we talk to only our past clients, there's the curse mm -hmm. of knowledge, right? Of they've gone through the experience, they've come to the other side of things. And sometimes you forget the thing that you were kind of a pain point of that thing that made them come to you in the first place. And now they're kind of either working with you at that next level, or they're looking at that next person. So making that recommendation of surveying and engaging people who you're not working with, but who match that, for lack of a better word, that avatar, right, that you've mm -hmm. created. But I also super appreciate what you're saying is because doing it and what I think you were kind of saying is don't just do it once and then set it and forget it. But it's this iterative process because either your clients are changing or you're changing who you're working with, because we all know that we're really happy we're not working with the same people we worked with 10 years ago yeah. um, for the most part. It's just kind of like high school. Thank God I didn't date that person because that would have been <laughs> really? terrible. Yeah. <laughs> what do you see are the questions that people aren't asking when they're doing these kind of you know, these assessments, these surveys, these, um, you know, market research for all intents and purposes. Yeah. So, I mean, you said some interesting things there about, you know, if you're asking a client who's been with you for two years, they're in a different place now. It's like asking um, a mother when she has a two-year-old, oh yeah, I would do it again, but ask them two minutes after giving birth. It's like, uh, never again, you know, <laughs> like you're in a completely different place, right? You forget. I'm sorry. I'm having a little PTSD yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
16. It brought me back. I mean, mine are only seven, five, and two right now. So it's oh my God. Still kind of vivid. <laughs> yeah. Well, mine are 17 and 15 and I still remember. <laughs> I, I feel your pain. Yeah. So you do need to have checkpoints along the way. Um, one thing I always recommend, especially for course creators, um, when people are signing up for a course, I mean, they are looking for that better version of their life, right? Whatever that course is. And when they pay for that course, so many course creators are missing the opportunity to have a survey question right then. What was happening in your life that made you want to take this course? And people will just unload. They're, they're excited about your course still. They haven't like met the reality of actually doing the work yet. And they're at a really <laughs> highly seducible moment, right? They're excited and they're gonna tell you. And that's when you can take all of that information. And the next time it comes around to um, either launching your course, you have that information or you can use it um, as you market and mm. what you actually teach. I mean, if you see something that you didn't have on your curriculum that people are talking about, add it to your curriculum. Like it's, it's a really important thing. And then, you know, having um, other people look at your survey questions, mm. um, you know, just because we're so blind, I, we all are, it doesn't matter how sophisticated we are. I mean, I always have other people look at my copy when I write it for myself, because I still fall into the trap of writing about me instead of my reader. It's just human nature, right? Yeah. So, well, I am very uh, interesting. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so those kinds of things um, are really important. And, and I know it sounds like tired advice to listen to your customer or to understand your customer. Um, but it is often overlooked or we think we're doing it, but we're not. Um, that's not to say you should not take um, the lead in terms of what your personality is and what mm. you want to say and having that creative thing because there, there is that part where people will be magnetized by um, a compelling personality. And it can't yes. be all about it. <laughs> Absolutely. So there, there is that. Don't there? There is a balance for sure. Yeah. So you know, I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen with clients. I think we've all experienced this as we've gone through different levels of our business and achieving. You know, going from starting out to you know achieving a certain level of success to starting to bring on team members to you know scaling the business to having more team members and like going through those iterations, right? It seems like each of those iterations almost feels like you're throwing a grenade into your business because you're up-leveling your client, you're updating your systems, you're, you're, you're questioning yourself, new level, new devil. What's important to do when you're going through that next level transition in your business, when you are leveling up, either yourself, your business, your clients, there's that sense of, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing, or maybe the fraud factor kicks in. How do you reconnect when you're writing copy to continue to create that connection with your clients or prospects? Yeah, I, I would say um, it's tricky, right? Uh, you, you're growing because you're doing well, you're hiring smart people. Um, but I've often been in boardrooms where there are 20 smart people and they've all got really great ideas. They all have great ideas. Yeah. It's just 19 too many ideas. Like it <laughs> honestly, because you, you really need to have a vision and you need to be able to adequately express it to your team and to have one person making the decision. Obviously you need to have the input. That's why you hired people. Um, but when, 
you're trying to be nice and <laughs> include everyone and have everybody's ideas, um, your message will get muddled. And when there's muddle, there's confusion and that is the enemy of copy. So I think having a really strong vision, having it documented, um, sharing that with your team, I mean, that's really important. Um, I say a good way for that to happen is to have case studies done. Um, because when you have case studies, your employees, they're great training materials for your employees because, oh, those, they all have a similar thing going on why they love us. And you feel good as an employee for being a part of that because we all want to feel good about what we do and that we help people. So, so having that, those kinds of things can really help unify a team and um, keep things on track. I'm not sure if that answered your question yeah. before. Okay. No, and I think it's it's really that guidepost, right? Of like, you might be up-leveling your clients. You might be up-leveling your business. You might even up-leveling your own mindset, if you will, because all of those things are part of being a business owner. And so having those guideposts of, okay, this is who we're trying to work with. And even if that guidepost, the guidepost shifts a little bit, mm -hmm. it's clearly identifying, I think, that next guidepost before moving off of the previous one and then creating that consistent message so that everybody on the team is aware, right? It's not just this is an idea in the boss's head and then everybody else is supposed to guess what it is, but how do you communicate it effectively? And kind of using the strategies of writing effective copy to do that within the team, because I think that's another area of, I mean, what's copy but communication, Right. right. And so making sure that everybody is on board with the new direction or with the tweak or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, a lot of people, there's, there's two different uh, questions. I, I hate when I do this. I have like five questions at the same time and only one's going to get out. <laughs> what are your thoughts about consistency? Like what does consistency look like and what's the role of it when it comes to copy? Consistency is really important. I mean, Okay. We can keep talking. I was just, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, it's huge. I mean, don't confuse it with stagnancy, but con consistency is super important. Um, when there isn't consistency, if you go to a website and copy slightly different on different pages, because often websites get built that way. It's like one page at a time, you grow really quickly, or um, they have somebody else writing the email copy or, or things like that. I mean, most of us, probably aren't, we're busy. We're, we're not paying super close attention to what we're reading, but we get those subtle cues that something's off. Mm. And when we get that subtle cue, again, we don't necessarily consciously know, but it sends this message to our brain that I don't know if I trust this person. And that's just because things look different. And when things look different in a way that's not consistent, um, it erodes trust. And yeah. Or it's the last blog articles from 2014 and you're just like, hold on, what? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And those things that we don't necessarily think about, um, but trust is just, we underestimate how important trust is because we, we all think of ourselves as trustworthy people. I don't, mm -hmm. there aren't, I don't know if there's many people who, you know, like the fact that they're not trustworthy, but we all think of there like- are people out there. <laughs> no, absolutely there are. But most of us <laughs> like to think that we're trustworthy, that we do the right thing. It's, it, you know, it's kind of like we all think we're good drivers, but we know that's not true. Um, but I'm feeling like you're seeing me in terms of like the good driver bit. <laughs> like, yeah. Of course I am. Yeah. We've been talking to my husband. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, trust is really important and we need to make sure that we are actively promoting why people can trust us mm. with proof and testimonials and demonstrations, uh, case studies, all of those things are really, really important. We don't 
take out our wallets to do business with someone if we don't trust them. And it, and like I said, it's not necessarily really obvious to the person. Like they're not thinking, oh, I don't trust this person. It's just mm. that little feeling that mm, I don't feel comfortable giving my credit card. That number. little that little niggle in the back here. And it's that hesitancy, right? So it's a confused mind never buys. And so if there's even the littlest bit of confusion, it will cause the entire process to stall out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, you've got specialists in all kinds of areas. You got Facebook, you've got LinkedIn, you've got YouTube, you've got Clubhouse, and I'm not going to name all the f- platforms. So all the different platforms, all the different ways to communicate, right? To put copy on in some capacity. So like, what is your philosophy in terms of the right mix, the right kinds? Is it video? Is it, it has to be written? Like, what's your philosophy and what's your recommendation to people when it comes to the kinds of content they should be putting out. Yeah. So again, this will it'll go back to consistency about having the the similar um, message that you mm-hmm. have across any platform, no matter what it is. Um, but think of it like um, you know the difference say between LinkedIn and Twitter. Just think about how you speak to a child versus how you speak to an adult. You're the same person. You have the same values. You believe in the same things, but you're going to say the message differently. And that's okay. You don't have to sound the same on LinkedIn that you do on Twitter, that you do in your emails, as long as there is that consistency, like I was talking about um, before. Um, So yeah, there's trust uh, and novelty. Novelty is important. I don't mean gimmicky, but I just mean something that takes a tired old idea and makes it sound fresh and exciting. Mm. Um, and that's really important. Again, it's about the reader, like what's going to be fresh and exciting for them. What is it going to do for them? The classic copywriting, what's in it for me? Like, why, why is it important for your reader to know this information? Um, it's, it's key in grabbing their attention and then you have to keep their attention. And yeah. um, that's also important. So are there still hard and fast rules? Because, you know, having been around the block, I mean, not for forever, but I've, you know, been around for a little bit, again, whatever, regardless, I've been around. And so there's been strategies that kind of come and go. Is there anything that's still like, okay, you know, strategy wise, you know, opt-in, nurture sequence, third email is where you provide the opportunity to schedule a phone call. Fifth email is where you pitch them. This is where you downsell them if they haven't made a decision. Are there, is there still an infrastructure like that, that works or is the annoying answer? It depends. It depends. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) The worst answer ever. Um, so, I mean, humans don't really change that much. I mean, we're still the same that we were a hundred years ago or whatever, but obviously time has evolved much. <laughs> no, exactly. So we still get interested by the same things. Um, we will still watch a train wreck, which those emails always end up being an open, higher yeah. open rate. <laughs> like, this yeah, is what's absolutely. wrong in my world. Almost all of a sudden there's a 50% open rate. <laughs> yeah. But like I said about novelty before is, you know, you get used to seeing the same things all the time. So Mm. if you're doing something different, then your brain is going to notice. So I think of um, that part of copywriting. Um, You walk into a room, it's just beautifully decorated. It's all very um, monochrome and tidy and just everything looks perfect. And um, you look at the wallpaper on the wall and it's just like this perfect, perfectly wallpapered wall. And then my job is to have one of the seams kind of ripped and it's kind of folding back and it's like you're looking around and like you can't not look at that rip and that's what my job I see my job is you know 
I want you to look at that rip and wonder why it's there and you can't stop looking at it. Like it gets your attention and it keeps it because it just doesn't quite fit. So I think that's something that's really important with copywriting. Um, writing again is like driving. Everybody thinks they can write and it's usually based on what we learned in school, which you know, is good for school, but not good for the real world a lot of the time and well, copywriting engagement. I mean, marketing is getting someone's attention. How do you keep their attention? Yeah. One, how do you get it? Two, how do you keep it? And three, how do you get them to take action? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it has very different rules um, with, with copywriting. And so it's, it's really important not to have it like really smooth and cause like, it's just going to fly by. I mean, we're bombarded with messages. Like, why would I listen to something? That's why we have to have these little snags that sort of grab our attention and get us out of autopilot because we're all operating on autopilot. I think there's a stat, something like 60% of sales are lost to people not making a decision. It's not that they're saying no to you. It's that they just, they can't be bothered. Like it's just easier to keep doing what you're doing. I mean, mm it's really hard to change someone's behavior. Um, and that's what you need with really great engaging copy. So of course, my next question is going to be, how do you create engaging copy given some of the things that you've shared before? You know your ideal client, you've done some market research, you truly understand their pain point, you truly understand, or at least good enough, right? To get them to where they wanna go. How do you get, I mean, I guess it's how do you get their attention? How do you keep their attention? And how do you get them to take action? Yeah, well, these three easy steps. No, I'm just <laughs> right? it doesn't happen. Humans don't work like that. Um, yeah, you do all your research and there, there is a process and identifying what they care about and what they don't care about and making sure that you're, um, you know, if you're newer to copy, frameworks and, and formulas can be a really great starting point. Um, they're good for more experienced copywriters as well. Um, and just knowing what can convince people to do certain things. And it's going to be different for every audience. So mm. um, if they're, I would say if they have lower, generally speaking, lower awareness, starting with what their problem is can often help. If they have higher awareness, getting more to the point sooner is what's important. So knowing what stage of awareness your reader is in is key, the key mm. starting point for anything. Uh, you're gonna talk to them differently. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it, it, understanding your customer, um, getting to know them and then making sure that you're telling them what they need to know and when they need to know it and making sure that you're, you're really keying into emotion. Emotion is huge and we all know this, uh, yet we still kind of miss it, um, in our copy. Um, you know, we all make decisions emotionally and then we, we, we justify it rationally. That's just, it's, it's really important to have that empathy piece in, mm. in there and it can be difficult sometimes. Mm. So how do you create the rip? How do you create the, the flaw, right? That gets people's attention. Is there anything that you have an example of, of something that kind of, yeah, this works 90% of the time or when in doubt, pull this one out and slap it in the email. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely certain things, um, having, um, you know, making sure that you're sounding like a human. Um, and I know that's again, tired advice, but I mean, you've read a lot of emails and, and, and they don't. Templates are great for guidelines yeah. in terms of, I've seen too many times and actually seen emails come through with insert pain point here, right? Like here's insert the bracket. Like yeah. it, it's, it's to tell you, this is how you're, what you're supposed to be connecting to, not actually copying and pasting the template. 
Yeah, and using really specific language is really important for people. Um, we need to have that picture in our mind. We, mm. you know, just saying, um, you know, retire with freedom. I mean, that doesn't really, what does that mean? Like you could say, um, you know, when you retire, you'll be able to go to your Thursday yoga class, you know, like really little specific things of, we need to give our readers shortcuts. Like we don't mm. like to think we don't, we don't want to make our readers think. And I don't mean that in a way that our readers are stupid. I just mean that we have to think about it as a customer service thing that we don't want to put the burden of them having to figure out what it is that we're trying to say. So we need to make things as easy as possible for them to understand what we're saying and using really specific language. Mm. Um, it's important. So instead of saying, you know, um, eat high quality ingredients, you know, say, um, you know, eat food that you feel good about putting in your body, you know, just those differences can make it's the same thing, but it's very different ways, very different imagery, right. That comes mm -hmm. across. Yeah. Because, and there's also like a personalization to it of it's not just eating healthy. It's what am I actually putting into my own body? And now yeah. there's a sense of ownership, right. In terms of the, the imagery in a way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I mean, I've heard of strategies like open loops, right, of start the email off here and then, hey, I've got this thing for you. Check it out. I'm, I'm going to share that with you in a little bit. And then you keep explaining the thing. And the thing is like, and this is like persuasion, right? 101 of, yeah. you know, are there strategies like that? Are those still ones that work or are there new ones that are kind of ones that aren't being leveraged effectively these days? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they still work. And I think no matter what you're going to do, as long as you approach it with authenticity and care for your reader, um, it will work. Mm. Uh, you know, if intent, you're, trying, right? <laughs> yeah, if you're trying to, um, have some sort of scam or something like that, and you're not, not even trying a scam, but we're just trying, we're trying hacks. So like, you know, I think for a while there last year, I haven't seen many recently, like having the R E colon. Oh my God. Oh, sorry. That's such a bro strategy. I mean, it's what I yeah. call a bro strategy. Right. And so that was like, people did that like five, four or five years ago, it yeah. went away because they got called out. And then like, like you said, like a year or two ago, it all of a sudden pops back up because somebody saw some old ass training and was like, I'm going to teach this as a thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. So that's, that's not cool in my, right. in my mind. We, we agree. <laughs> but, but I mean, it will work. For some people, absolutely. Same with, um, you know. But then look at this, which is you actually might be, it might work, but you're doing harm sometimes. So yeah. then the person that buy may not be at that level that you actually want. Yeah, it's definitely a short-term win. And I think generally speaking, that tends to be a problem for all of us is that short-term thinking rather yeah. than the long-term relationship building. Because if you're building a relationship with people, they're going to open your emails even if they're crap, I mean, they will because they like you and they know you and you've been giving them value Big for a one. long time. Right. Yeah. Keep engagement, keep their, yeah. keep their attention, actually give value, not just fluff. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you're going to, you're, you're going to open emails from your friends or your mom, you know, like, or maybe I don't know, depends on your relationship. I guess, depends. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where that's really important and the long-term I mean, you're not going to regret seven years from now for not doing the RE on your email in the second year. Like you're really not, you're going to yeah. be. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I, I talk about, you know, if you take care of the long-term game, the short, the short-term takes care of itself. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's always that, what is it really that you're focused on? 
There's another thing that you talk about in terms of you need to stand out uh, in order to stand out, you need to take a stand. And it's this, this concept of being remembered. What, what is that really about? And how is that important when it actually comes to, you know, writing or communicating copy? Yeah, I think part of that came from, I guess, a little bit of fatigue of conversations <laughs> that I was having um, with clients. Um, we want, you know, they want to stand out, they want to sell more, but they don't want to take a stand with, they just want it to be vanilla. Um, Cause they don't want to offend anyone yeah. or have people unsubscribe or, yeah. you know, have get any kind of like hate mail or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. And, and it is scary. And I, I certainly don't want to go in and tell, Oh no, you should try this. Like, you know, mm. it's, it's their business and you need to try these things responsibly. Um, you know, and it, and it really depends if you're a really huge company, you don't have to take a stand. People are already buying from you and you know, people are opening your emails. If you're a newer and you really want to stand out, say what you mean to say and, and stick to it. Don't half-ass it. Like really don't because it's, yeah, people want to choose you. They don't, they, they want to feel connected to you. And once people feel like you're a part of their identity or they connect with you, I mean, watch out if anybody badmouths you. Like it's, you will have those raving fans that we all want and we're all trying to get, but we were too scared to get it. That's, mm. So that's what I was, was talking about um, when I was saying take a stand. Yes. No, I, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, it's kind of, if you don't stand for anything, if you don't stand for something, you don't stand for anything. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's almost the opposite of a confused mind never buys of if you don't stand for anything, then people don't want to associate with you. They need to feel that you stand out because that's what they want to rally around. They need to yeah. build a platform on something versus just, you know, mud or quick stand. Exactly. So, you know, Lisa, you've been great. You've let me completely push you around. <laughs> How can people get in touch with you and learn more about it? Because you have some really interesting things going on right now. Yeah, I, I run a couple, I run two businesses. So I have the yes. Conversion Copywriter, which is my high impact uh, copywriting company. Um, I've had that one for a long time. And then I, I started a new company late last year called Fast Copy. It's fastcopynow.com. Um, I would love for people to check it out. And again, it came from a lot of conversations with people who want really great copy, but then they contact if they can find a copywriter, like, you know, it's, you kind of get stuck in Google hell looking for someone, you know, because like, who do you choose? I don't know anyone. And, and um, so I just want to, and then you find someone and then they have a three month waiting list or, you know, you're a startup and you don't have a budget. And I mean, to me, it breaks my heart when I see crappy copy on a website and they have a really solid idea or a product. And um, so I thought fast copy is going to be my affordable, fast copywriting service. So if people want, hey, I need a landing page or I have a landing page, but it's not performing well. I just want to get it tweaked so I can have it um, sell more. So uh, that's at fastcopynow.com. Perfect. Awesome. So make sure you guys, those notes will be in the, um, the show notes, those notes, those links will be in the show notes for you. Um, and then any other parting words or words of wisdom that you wanted to share with the listeners today? Um, just make sure that you're thinking about your reader when, when you write your copy, uh, try to use, this is a really easy way to do it. Use the words, um, you and your, instead of me, we, or I mm. Simple, easy to do. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Lisa. I super appreciate you coming on today. Thanks so much for having me.